welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill. Welcome to the show. This is episode 257, and I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. Bill, you want to talk about thoughts and prayers a little bit? Yeah, we were talking about that before we started. Yeah, um, you know, our thoughts and prayers do go out to the people of New Zealand, and uh, it seems like there were many citizens of Bangladesh and Indonesia and India who were killed at the shooting last, well, it had been today there, last, well, last night, Friday prayers in New Zealand. And, um, you know, we, we I, you know, you sometimes are a little reluctant to say thoughts and prayers, but as you reminded me, and as you wrote about one time, uh, evoking H. Richard Deeper, right? Yeah, the great, which we did a podcast about. Oh, well, and the grace you, of... Like, the, you, like, it was literally years ago. Yeah. <laughs> the grace of doing nothing, yeah. Okay, wait, Bill, louder, please. Okay. Uh, okay, all right. But, um... Is Bill loud enough now? Bill should be loud. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if Bill should be maybe turned off. But, um... Isn't it great that people, two people, want to hear your voice? Yeah, there we go. But, um, no, I think, um, you know, to me, uh, sometimes, it's like I said, it's better than doing nothing or trying to ignore or trying to become callous to all this violence out there. You know, part of the why we react against these thoughts and prayers is when it's somebody who can actually vote to do something about gun violence but chooses not to. That becomes kind of cynical. But there are many of us, you know, I said on the Resident Exile site, uh, you know, when people are killed while they're praying, it's a that's an offense against humanity. It's offense against all who pray. And I think it's an offense against God, God's self. And, uh, you know, the fact that this person actually was killing five-year-olds and children while they were saying their prayers and live-casting it on Facebook. It says something about where we're at right now. Is it an offense against the NRA? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I hope the NRA says it's an offense. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's a, there's a sense where it also tells you the limitation of gun laws. I mean, New Zealand has pretty, pretty well, they did just loosen their gun laws recently, but uh, and this was an Australian, a right-wing uh, anti-immigration a uh, person from Australia who uh, railed against Muslims and immigrants, and so. Unless anyone wonder, you own you're a guns. Person. I'm a gun. I'm a gun yeah. owner. Yeah, I am not. My dad right. was a big gun. I'm not. In, I don't own a gun. Yeah, I'm not against gun ownership. I'm against. You don't need rocket launchers. Don't need automatic weapons. Why well, before that? I'd like a <laughs> rocket launcher. You'd like a rocket launcher. Just you could probably get one. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, I don't want to lose my anti-aircraft missile you know, launcher right. on my ceiling, on my roof, I mean, just in case. St. You know. Patrick's Day, shits and giggles. I mean, come <laughs> oh, on. my gosh. Well, you know, I tell you, in my uh, my neighborhood, any excuse for people shooting guns, yeah, it's, which is very dangerous. You should have huge fire, not just gun laws in Greater Philadelphia, firecracker laws. Firecracker laws. but it, I, I'd be for matches laws. Matches. After 9 o'clock. <laughs> Regulation of matches, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. certain people shouldn't get matches. Yeah. You know, one thing, too, it's important, you know, we, um, I think the language, this was a terrorist attack uh, in this country, in spite of some of the rhetoric, uh, the most dangerous religious group to be. In other words, if you're, you're most likely to get a hate crime against you, if one, if you're Jewish, number two, 
if you're Muslim. So uh, this idea of Christianity under attack is a myth in this country. But I uh, thought you were going to say two Christians, so fund the bunker. But <laughs> I thought you were making a fundraising pitch. No, no, we're not. We're not under attack. No, we're not. Except on Twitter, occasionally. Yeah, you get more hate than I do, and I'm envious of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, geez, there we go. I don't know if that's something I would be envious of. Before we go into the our topic of the day, can we just do uh, a quick assessment of the primaries? Oh, the new, the candidates? Yeah. I think there are a lot of good ones. I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I mean, I really do. I think it's going to be an interesting Democratic <laughs> I primary. I like that. Yeah, I, I do. I think... Uh, a debate of ideas. It'll be, a, it'll be a debate of ideas. I, I doubt if it, it will not get nasty like the Republican one, or to the degree, namely because, one, Donald Trump is not a Democrat, so that he was the chief, he was the chief source of nastiness. Um, but you know, I think uh, it'll be a good, uh, good exploration of ideals, and I think we have a lot of, um, I think that it could be a very interesting, interesting primary. And I'm, you know, I'm not afraid of, um, I'm not afraid of there being a wide range of ideas and, and pushing the limits of thinking. I mean, you know the Republicans were able to tolerate a right a white supremacist in Congress, and uh, even our vice president endorsed him as a great American until until he stopped. <laughs> I guess he stopped being a great American this year. He Steve, was last year. Steve King is interesting. He was a great American last year, according to the vice president, but he's not anymore. It's so. great to be a senator from Iowa or a congressperson <laughs> from Iowa, rather. Like, I mean, do you think we should like just do regional primaries or something so you don't have these like? We do have like Iowa, New Hampshire, right? And so you have like I feel like the primary process caters to activists in a way that it, it, if we had the regional primaries or something, or or at least a big state like like what California is trying you, to. And you mean by activists, you mean the party activists? Yeah, yeah. like so yeah. you get sure, yeah, like the people that it favors are 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 the bases of both parties, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I uh, yeah, there is there are a lot of problems. With that, I do. Uh, it certainly is good for the Iowa New Hampshire economy. <laughs> I think it works. It works out. And I feel like you and I intellectually are against caucuses, but I feel like emotionally we would love it if Pennsylvania was a caucus state. Like, We'd have fun. It'd be a fun. We, night. We, we would run the caucus. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be fun. I actually, during the Iowa caucuses, one of my former staff people had just moved to Iowa. And I was on the cell phone with her, giving her direction what she was supposed to do. So we helped uh, we helped get uh, Barack Obama votes in that in that caucus. So I feel like I did my little part of helping Barack Obama get the nomination. He couldn't have done it without you. Uh, yeah, that's what he said the other day. But I said no. I believe it. I know it was Michelle. It wasn't me. So, so our, our topic is there anything other newsworthy that we want to talk about? Oh, the scandals. <laughs> The college boards. The college boards. Yeah, wow. Rich people uh, stacking the deck to get their kids in college. There, That was a surprise. To just the level of it and uh, uh, it's pretty amazing. And, you know, my, my kids were recruited to college because they were athletes, but they actually were athletes. And uh, But I could see where— uh, Although it's interesting because I played golf with two of your kids who are pretty athletic. And at the end of the day, I would have taken you on the golf course over both your kids. It should be also noted that they didn't. They were not golf right. scholarships. You know? But still, I mean, well, I take that as that's high still comp- impressive. I take that as a high compliment. And you know what we're due. Weather's yeah. changing. We will have to get out there on the links. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm ready for that. All right. All right. Very good. No, the scan. I think it's. Uh, um, <laughs> no, it's just pretty remarkable. 
So, but I do know people, for instance, who, I mean, where is the continuum? I mean, if you have money, first of all, your kids are already in better schools. Um, you know, in my, in, in the, you know, in the, uh, Western suburbs of Philadelphia. I mean, not only do we have great public schools, but there were these great prep schools as well. My younger two end up going to a prep school because they because of athletics. But uh, there's a lot of advantages if you do that. You know who also is an alumnus of that school? Yes, the great Bart Campolo. Oh, did he go to Harvard School? <laughs> the great one. Oh, I saw with the guy, the uh, former governor of Colorado, is an alumni of that who's running oh, for president. Hickenlooper. Yeah. yeah, he's a, he's. A, I actually had dinner with him. When my uh, when my old, uh, my third son graduated, he was uh, there was a small group of us invited, and uh, an impressive guy. As are you, I'm sure he's saying. I had dinner with Bill Boyle. Yeah, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he remembers that whole evening. Exactly. Yeah, I think a guy. An inter- here's another interesting guy. I think the mayor of South Bend is a is in some, oh, he's amazing. He's very impressive. Yeah, very yeah. articulate. Very. I mean, he might be running for vice president, but. Or for the future, but he's he's very very impressive. Yeah, very yeah. articulate. Yeah, so I think it's going to be, um, and I think Nancy Pelosi coming out and saying, uh, you know, she again continues to play chess while <laughs> Trump is playing uh, Chinese checkers without all the marbles. So uh, we'll see what we'll see how this all works out. He's got a great relationship with China, and they're going to make all their marbles <laughs> in a coal factory. I mean, we're going to make them out of coal. They're going to be the best marbles. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he should move on to China since he was so. You know, he's finished up the North Korea thing. That's all worked out. So, moving on to China. Do you play good. chess? Uh, I do, but I'm not very good. I'm not very good either. Yeah, it's, yeah. I don't play. It's been a while since I played. So on to our topic, which we're going to talk about Jesus. We voted, and we're for Jesus. We're for Jesus. I mean, is that an unadulterated, we're both for Jesus? We're both for Jesus. The living one, not just the idea. Not just the idea of it. <laughs> we're really for Jesus. Yeah, the one who's alive and well. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it? because of the conversations you find here. If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcast projects I've got in the works. So I invite you. To be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Andrew Stravitz, Barry Stewart, Ben Crosby, Ben DeHart, Carol Clemens, Charlotte Donlin, David Norling, David Zoll, Ellis Brazil, Jennifer Spite, Jennifer Underwood, Jim Cress, Joel Wentz, John Schneider, Jonathan Butran, Jordan Mossberger, Josh Redder, Kai Wittenpeg, Larry Rule, Liam O'Brien, Michael Butera, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Konauer, Sari Graham, Simone Garabedian, Stephen Rowe, and Jody Stevenson. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. 
Well, you sent me an article last night. By the I, great Jared Jones. By the hat great tip. Hmm? The ja- hat tip to Jared Jones. Jared Jones, who... Um, That's one of my uh, things I've learned from Mark Levin. Hat tip. Hat tip I've also Jared. learned what I wouldn't do. Somebody called it, hey, Mark, uh, I'm from Seattle. You know, not many conservatives are here. I just discovered your show. Where the hell you been? <laughs> I wouldn't say that to a new listener. No, no. I, mean, it, I hope there's a lot of things that Mark Levin would say that you would ever say to anybody. <laughs> I love his things, though. Uh, this from the New York Slimes, the Washington Compost, yeah, and Chuck Todd on Meet the Depressed. Yeah, yeah he's he, great at that stuff. He could. You should be instead of being on the radio, you should be in the Catskills doing uh, stand up during the summers. He do they still do that? Yeah, he wouldn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think maybe he would though. Maybe he would. Maybe he would. That sounds like that kind of shtick. That would have been really funny in nineteen forty eight. Yeah. The forties. The forties and the fifties. Um so this uh give us the gist of this article. I read I read it and um apparently at one point I offended Jared at some point. I find that hard to believe. He what did he call me? He called me a moralist. moralist. Yeah. He said if Bill Bohr likes it, I might be a moralist. That's funny. No, Jared's basically saying and let's put Jared in a context. Jared Jones, what context is there? Well, it's, you know, work, theological persuasion. Uh, he works at a church. He's an Episcopal uh, deacon. He does, he gives chapel talks like you do to in, the schools. In the mainstream Episcopal movement, it, ECUSA. There we go. All right. Uh, and he has a Reformed church background, as you and I both do. You're, you would still identify as... I would still self-identify. as reformed right? <laughs> as would I. Uh, he wrote this piece, The Living Christ and the Principle of Grace. Uh, and I'll just read the first paragraph. And it was published at... At, at Mockingbird, mbird.com. If you, it was published what? March 13th. So March 13th. Two days ago. There we go. Uh, there is a bustling market for principles in the world today. Timeless truths to live your life by. Seven principles of, high, uh, of health, such and such. Uh, you know, helpful advice like that. You can hardly go anywhere. Um, these principles like, like fruit in the garden of Eden promise happiness. If we only reach out and take hold of them and apply them to our lives, you know, the drill. It says, you know, I wonder if there's a tendency in Christian circles to turn grace into a similar sort of principle. We by nature gravitate towards turning grace into a concept that is abstracted from history and time and space, and the one who embodies it. And making it into our own universal timeless truths, we then begin to apply grace in different areas of our life and world. Maybe feel like your wife should be more graceful or more gracious politics. And basically he's saying that we've turned grace into a kind of natural theology in the worst sense of the word. Yeah, I think he was responding to some things going on, like the Methodist The Methodist thing. And, and one of the responses was that the traditionalist vote was, the traditional vote and position was a non-grace moment yeah. and if they were more grace filled they'd be more inclusive that's kind of the implication and we hear it a lot you know in popular music uh what the you know we need a little more mercy now which i love that song by mary's a gunther gunther she's from louisiana she's a kind of a alternative country singer and it's you know it's a beautiful song uh but this idea that somehow there's an abstract thing out there yeah. that you could somehow apply to situations and that uh and maybe even somehow it's under our control. I mean, that's kind of the implication that if I could just, if we, everybody, could, if we could just give a little mercy more, if we could be a little more, uh, the Don Henley song of uh, 20 years ago, in such a graceless age, uh, you know, that the idea of it somehow, we can, um, we can somehow bring more grace into the world or that it's something, um, 
is something that is, uh, I don't know if it's manipulative, but it is a entity or not an entity, even kind of a construct that's divorced from, as Christians, we believe the giver of grace. Yeah, the giver of every good and perfect gift. You know, one of the things I liked about uh, the article uh, was, uh, actually, again, I, I have trouble, I mean, I have trouble with the idea when you capitalize law. I mean, I think part of the whole law grace uh, trope that we go back and forth and talk about a lot is when you capitalize law, you're you're actually in some levels referring to the Jewish Torah, and it's hard to not to. What about hipster churches that don't use any capital letters? They say we're not a mega church. <laughs> right. We're a micro bro. Yeah, E. E. Cummings lives. E. Cum- right. <laughs> I like that. I kind of like that because then you don't have to worry about the punctuation rules. You just kind of yeah. just kind of keep going. No. But I Oxford act- comma, yes or no? Uh, I, I probably overuse them. I've, I've become a convert. I never use it. Now I'm using it. Yeah, yeah, I probably overuse it. It's whatever, you know, there was a critical stage, whatever grammatical teacher you had that you were terrified of. That's, <laughs> we can both agree where APA is the worst format. I, I agree. It, I, with the print, you, you need a yeah, footnote. Yeah, I like footnotes. I do. I do like footnotes. It's, so fun. Yeah, it's back- fun not to mess with them, but I like footnotes. Back to anti-Semitism. Yeah, I think there's a trouble with the kind of uh, this law gospel sometimes thing, particularly when you capitalize law, because are you talking about Torah? Or are you talking about what I think Jared's trying to talk about there, a construct? I think it's when you capitalize it, to me, you're saying you're talking about the Torah. And certainly Luther was not talking about Torah in Lutheranism. That's one of the messiness, I think, of the Lutheran, Lutheran heritage. See, I think Luther's a great— Reaction, a great correct, corrective. And I think it's a necessary corrective. It still needs to be present. I think when you start as Luther as your base, you might already be in trouble, to be honest with you. Second half of 1517. <laughs> Does he know we do that? No, but I think he'd be thrilled. If he I think he would be thrilled. Yeah. 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 So I do like uh, one of the things I really liked about the article was <clears throat> he talked, he, he used the Colossians passage. Which actually, I think, may be a way out of the of only using the gospel law dichotomy or trope, however you want to call it, uh, referring to telling the Colossians not to submit themselves once again to the primary elements. Uh, I think that actually, I think if you read Galatians from that Colossians perspective, and so Paul there is saying that basically there are runaway spiritual powers. Like he's thinking yeah. this is part of the the biblical tradition that Satan's fall, that kind of thing. And it, it's a, the, the basically God is still cleaning up the mess with these powers that are, they're, they're amorphous. They're they're They, they are in us and outside of us. And it's, it's kind of, I think it's our demons. Yeah. Right? The, the, the Damions. I think it's kind of this weird, you know, the first century. And I think Paul probably is a person who's, who's, you know, borrowing from a lot of different things, but you know, the, Greco-Roman Damions, uh, which go back even further to the high kind of these these unseen forces that shape everything. Uh, I mean, they they're in the process during the first century, and, and the Bible talks a little bit about it of the you know becoming our demons, but that's yeah. still happening. But I think it actually, it, it, if you if you think of it more in the first century, kind of where it's not totally become a full demonology, I think is actually more helpful for us because these unseen forces which. For Paul and the first century folks, maybe for some sort of supernatural forces, I'm not always so sure that's true of Paul. Sometimes it sounds like it is. Sometimes it sounds like it's not because 
Sometimes he seems to treat them as really, you know, the demonic powers, and other times he sees them as nothing. So um, I don't think that's fully— So you and the Apostle Paul might be in agreement. We might be in agreement on that one. <laughs> but I think what really would translate really well to the 21st century, if we, when we see these elementary elements, we think of constructs. Yeah. I think, and uh, because constructs are these things floating out there that have amazing power over us, but uh, their only existence is, 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 in some levels, is in the collective acceptance that they are there, or the are the the collective agreement about the myth behind and them. Usually, the the last stop before real vulnerability or something like we're almost getting to the place where we cry help and really cling to Jesus. But then we, wait, we have a construct. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, you know, and, um, and these are, these are ferociously powerful. And I, I think this idea that, um, that I think what's, what's really insightful about that Jared has here is that the way a lot of people who, who are literally trying to bring grace as a corrective to, whether it be fundamentalist legalism or progressive legalism, they're actually turning grace into another construct instead of a gift from the living God. Yeah, grace is always, it's a gift from a person. Right? Yes. It's like, and so you can't, I mean, the gospel is about a person, not a principle. Yeah, even when you think of the fruit of the spirits, um, and uh, if, by the way, if being a moralist means I have a doctrine of the Christian life, and think 3,000 years of Judeo-Christian ethic teaching has a place to talk about, then I'm guilty of that, okay? But even— I'm still figuring out if I'm guilty or not guilty. <laughs> I don't know if I have either of those. Uh, but even, if you, even if you think of it as the fruit of the Spirit or the fruits of the Spirit, I mean, there's, there's an argument about the singularity of the, of the word there in the Greek. Nonetheless, it's something that comes from the third person of the Trinity. Yeah. See, they're, they're not even—these enlivening principles or these transforming things are actually— Fruits of the living God. Jared Jones says, this is for our first time listeners. Uh, we also do Facebook live. So there were Jared Jones says, I love you, Bill. Oh, wow. As in the words of Jack Nicholson, you know, if that did it for me, I'd be the luckiest guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> You're good, Bill. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So I think that, I actually think I would like to see him, you know, Jared, since you're listening, I would like to see more development about this idea as being a way of talking about these issues using the Colossians passage. We can move him into the bunker. I, mean, we can, I, we, we, I think he just earned a way on the yeah, – I think gosh. he earned himself – You're uh, not breaking up with me, right? No, no, bulls right. gashish stuff. Bulls we'll, gashish. we'll have him for a bulls gashish stuff. But, Look at you, Jared. Yeah, but I do think this idea of grace being removed um, – removed from God. It's kind of like Shalom sometimes. It's almost become like a, uh, <laughs> like Shalom can be something that's cheap. It can be a secular utopia. Shalom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I talked about this. Melanchthon said, to know Christ is to know his benefits. And he's reacting against the excesses of medieval, what he sees, scholastic yeah. thinking, sort of angels on the head of a pin, which how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Uh, you can, innumerable, all of them, because yeah, they have no time and space. Purple. But these are the kind. Of, and he and thinks, by the way, do you know why you know why those silly questions were addressed? Because some student asked the silly yes. question. Yeah, it wasn't that the professors were looking to talk about the that. The best way to prepare for an adult Bible study is see if Thomas Aquinas 
worked on the passage. This from Jared Jones on Facebook. About to hop on 95, my way home from work. I can just keep going till I get to the bunker. Hey, buddy, we'd welcome you. We'd welcome you. Though it seems like your picture, you have a lovely family. I wouldn't. I, they're not worth risking for us. <laughs> hey, whatever. What did you say? Whatever you give up, you'll get more. Uh, <laughs> so I do. You know. So but, so the length in there, right, is rightfully critiquing the classics, right? But I think like. Sometimes that's used to, I mean, all the Reformation tradition from Calvin to, I mean, there's the whole Jensen brought the whole Finnish interpretation of Luther, the popularizing this language, and certainly Calvin, I mean, everything is union with Christ is right. the primary thing, and all these things, justification, sanctification, glory, all our hope comes from a person, not a principle. Right. I mean, if you look at the ancient writers, who does, who does Calvin next to Augustine, I think the person he quotes second most is it. John of Damascus, maybe not second but John of Damascus shows up. I mean, there's a sense of sounds good to me. Yeah, so, well, I think there's this interest in, you know, this interest in union with Christ. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a recapture. Uh, it's a recapturing of this idea of uh, certainly it's, in, it's certainly union with Christ is at the heart of Luther's spirituality or mysticism. If you would, if you am I allowed to say Lutheran mysticism? Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. Anyway, whatever you want to call it, but I think, uh, and so what I mean. I think even people who, I mean, I think the well-intentioned people who want to emphasize grace and 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 the idea of the Christian liberty and and getting out of this way of earning your salvation or earning your uh, your sense of worth, I think that continues to be a very important message, that, uh, a central message of the gospel. And there, you know, there are a lot of uh, new American gods. <laughs> that give, show is so great. Uh, yeah, there are new. Although Mar- the first episode of season two. Was real trippy. I mean, like, yeah. But these new American gods of workism, of uh, you know, seeking as much thrill-seeking pleasureism, um, children being the new gods. As I've often said, children are wonderful gifts. They're horrible gods. <laughs> and I think this, these, you know, the new atheism. There was a great article we should put the show notes in the Atlantic last month that really talked about the new atheism and and the, the, so there are all these isms that can only be um, vanquished, if you would, by the free gift of the gracious giving God, which allows there to be a relationship with God. Again, even sometimes I do think there's a sense where the trouble with Satan and sinner at the same time is that, all right, if, that, if you want to talk about that as a reality, that's fine. But but that is a way of describing the fact that nonetheless, we have a living relationship with Christ. I think sometimes this it, the grace becomes cheap uh, if it doesn't realize that the the telos, the end of all this, is so that we have a living relationship with God. So it's not some sort of, I mean, it can get back to the old evangelical problem where, you know, you get saved and just wait to die. <laughs> and so the transformative power of the Christian life, to me, is is growing in that relationship with Christ. Why do we try to live better so that we remove obstacles that prevent us from having that growing relationship with Christ. And, you know, it's also nice that as our relationship with Christ grows, that can have nice benefits for the people who have to live around us. Yeah, I mean, what is the adage? Like, a saint is someone who confesses more about less. I mean, there's something about that. And also, you know, on our best days, we repent of our virtues and our vices. Right, I know. I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing to me the greatest Christians I've known at the end of their life had just a deep, had the humility in their own sense of unworthiness, but 
they're also the freedom that came from that. They weren't, I mean, they weren't wallowing in, in, in guilt, but they, they were just thankful for the gift and was more, were more aware that it was a gift, you know, living really exemplar lives. Uh, by the way, the one thing I didn't like, Jeremy Taylor is one of the things, good things you got going for you in the Anglican tradition. Don't throw him under the bus. <laughs> so can we say that in Jesus, there's love and freedom? I think we should absolutely say that. We can say that. We yeah, can say that. that. We can say that. And uh, grace is the means by which we are brought into that relationship. Yeah. All right. There we go. There we go. So thank Thanks you for everybody. your work. And Thanks, have a good, Jared. You're the man. You Be safe. And everybody have a good weekend. Have a great weekend. Hey, listeners, thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation, and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless.